It's happening again. Welcome to Work Cookie, a CBOC podcast. As we broadcast around the world, get bite-sized morsels and tidbits from our industrial organizational psychologists, other experts, and the latest research on the workplace to boost your organization's effectiveness. Sign up now at CBOC.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from our experts at CBOC.com. Welcome. I'm Dr. Jeremy Lokabaugh, Industrial Organizational Psychology Consultant and Workplace Communication and Negotiation Coach. In addition to CBOC.com that you just heard, you can also visit my website at TurnBoot.com. If you're in or getting into the IO psychology field and you feel a little lost in the crowd, you're looking to jumpstart your career and maybe get the answers that your degree program never gave you about what it's actually like to work as an IO psych practitioner, check out CBOC's IO Career Pathfinder membership at CBOC.com. Also on the panel today, we have Sarah Smith-Berry of Frigo Consulting. Sarah is a psychometrician, veteran advocate, consultant, and modern stoic. Also, we have Tom Bradshaw, voice and speech coach, and a damn good actor at that. He is the leading voice and speech coach for the industrial organizational psychology community. Well, welcome, everybody. Welcome back to another Work Cookie episode. Uh, with me today is the trilogy, Dr. Jeremy Lukaba and Sarah Smith-Berry. I, of course, am Tom Bradshaw, your humble host and moderator. Jeremy, what are we going to talk about today? Tom, Tom, did you call us the trilogy again? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I'm I'm writing a movie script and (laughs) time after time. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so So we're going with what we're going with. This is a good one. So, how many people have trouble staying awake at work? So. The independent.co.uk, we tend to find some pretty cool stuff here. Title of this article, Six Ways to Feel More Awake at Work. Subtitle, Lack of Sleep Has a Greater Impact on Productivity Than Smoking, Drinking, and Overeating. Um, okay, so lots of, di- so we'll, we'll go over, I'm sure we all have different tips and, and tricks and different things. I'm, in, I'm excited to see where this one's going to go. I'm going to give very quick just the, the, uh, the bullet points of what is suggested in this article. Uh, stand up, work in natural light, nap, take breaks, limit caffeine, reduce stress. Easy as that. Tom, I'm going to let you take it away. Um. <laughs> How boring is your job if you're falling asleep? Uh, no, you know, this is actually a real issue. And even for myself, I know that around two o'clock in the afternoon, I'm going to hit that mid-afternoon crash and that I'm, you know, <laughs> I want to just push my chair back, lie down on the floor and have a little nap. And I'll share a little story with you because one of my instructors actually did that when I was doing my postgrad. Um, probably, you know, we call him the godfather of North American voice. Uh, he is one of those very prestigious voice and speech instructors who's, you know, world known. And I was studying with him doing my postgrad and we shared an office. And he used to have that mid afternoon crash as well. And he would just, you know, <laughs> lay out on the floor and have a little nap. 
but one time um it was a little later in the afternoon and and i didn't realize he hadn't had his you know mid-afternoon nap yet and we were about to go and do a presentation and i asked him you know can i get you a coffee and he was like sure bring me back a double espresso so i go off to the coffee shop i come back to our office i open the door and there he is on the floor with his eyes closed and the only thought running through my head is oh my god I've killed him <laughs> and the rest of the voice community is now going to hate me for the rest of my life. Uh, but it is a real issue where, you know, I'm a napper. If I can, if I can take a 20 minute break and just close my eyes, I can find myself much more, re you know, rejuvenated. Uh, and there were some, you know, interesting tricks that I learned in, in, in movement classes. And then again, there is some great breathing exercises you can do, uh, that will actually, you know, give you more energy. So I think it's something that most of us face, especially with the hectic schedules that we have now where trying to get eight hours sleep is always a challenge. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got some experience with this and I'm fascinated to, to hear the advice that you and Sarah, you know, <laughs> are going to dole out. Uh, Sarah, let's go to you. Humans are biphasic sleepers, Tom. So um, not since like the Victorian era, have we actually been biphasic? Um, so what that means for everyone listening is that humans are actually meant to sleep twice in one day. Um, generally, the way that it went was we laid down when the sun was going down um, and then we would wake up in the middle of the night. So for all of my fellow 2 a.m. warriors, 3 a.m. warriors, um, that wake up in the middle of the night with a sudden, Hey, I've got a couple hours of energy that is natural and normal for your brain. Um, and what they would do is they would get up, they wouldn't, uh, they didn't have lights. So they'd light some candles. They would do, uh, you know, low intense activities. So maybe things like laundry and that sort of thing, or read books, and then they would go back to sleep and then they would sleep until sunrise. And, I think it's very interesting with the industrial revolution came a nine to five, right? And so we actually adapted our sleeping habits to fit to work schedules. Isn't that sad? So um, when it comes to managing the amount of sleep you have in the whole eight hour rule, um, I always like to say, remember that every hour before midnight is worth two so that's a little tip. Um, some people are like, well, I got eight hours of sleep or I got seven hours of sleep, but they went to bed at midnight. So um, remember the earlier you go to bed, um, the more restful sleep you will actually be able to have. Uh, be mindful of things like uh, screen time. Make sure you're wearing blue light blocking glasses. Um, protect your brain. Um, you have a wonderful amount of sensors within your eyes um, that are able to determine different types of light and the level of light. And those all interact with um, a gland in your brain called your pineal gland. And the pineal gland is in charge of releasing something called melatonin. And melatonin is a hormone that regulates your circadian rhythm or how you rise and fall with the sun. Um, which is why some people take it as a supplement to sleep pro tip. If you are taking melatonin, take less, less is more and, um, take it when the sun starts to go down, not right at bedtime and you'll find it works a lot better. Um, I'd love to hear Jeremy's thoughts too. I know he's big into the biohacking realm like myself. Um, but I prioritize sleep, Tom, 
I prioritize sleep and people make fun of me, even my own husband. I'm usually in bed by 10 and um, I, I always wake up rested. So I'd love to hear what everyone else is thinking. Those are golden. Um, every I, I'm gonna I did not never thought of it that way. Um, every hour before midnight is for two hours, right? Yeah, that's how I. That's the rule. That's how I like to think of it. So every hour before midnight counts as two, um, and that way you're really prioritizing your sleep. You know, it's funny. Girlfriends of mine will ask me, "Hey, did you start a new skincare regime? Or what are you doing? Why do you look so young?" And I tell them all the time, it's because I prioritize sleep. I'm not doing anything fancy. Um, I prioritize sleep. I always have. And I think, um, especially for people who are um, more cognitively inclined, people who use their brain a lot at work, who do very intense cognitive processing as part of their day, please, please, please prioritize sleep. Um, don't burn out your adrenal glands with the coffee, although hashtag guilty. I am guilty. I love coffee. Um, but do the best you can to support your physiology. You are human at the end of the day, not a machine. Um, so listen to your body and, and give it the things that it needs and it will repay you with all of the productivity and, and amazing outcomes that you're hoping for. And, and there, you're, you're right. There really are things that you can do that actually do make a difference. I'll share things that I've learned. I've heard some things I've tried, some things have worked, some things, uh, well, I'll share the things I guess that, that have worked. Um, and cause there, there's, there's so many different things. Sometimes it's hard to keep track. One thing is, of course, if you're going to drink coffee, wait at least an hour, preferably two hours before, because your most willpower, your brain has so much juice in it in the beginning that if you start to take caffeine the first thing in the morning, you're going to wear, you're going to wear out. I think it has something to do with the cortisol levels. I don't know for sure, but the advice when you read up on it is wait at least an hour. Um, drinking coffee slow also helps with its intended effect, plus present, plus it uh, decreases uh, in any kind of effect of a crash. So drinking coffee, like a cup throughout the course of a half hour um, or, or even an hour is best rather than chugging. If you chug, you're, you're likely going to get a quick crash. Um, first thing when you wake up, hydrate 20 to 30 ounces of, of a liquid preferably not alcohol, but any kind of uh, like a juice, it's just water actually, right? Uh, 20, 20 to 30 ounces of water, then you can have your, your side of uh, OJ or whatever. Hydrate right away. Also eat, if you're going to drink coffee, eat something with it. It has something to do with the way the caffeine is processed in the body. Caffeine loves food and helps that work better. Um, also just simply eating breakfast and having, you know, especially protein in the morning, protein in the morning can also help with mood and your emotional state during the day. Uh, so make sure that you're eating breakfast. Breakfast is also a way, a way for those of you in, you know, trying to eat healthy. It does. Uh, I have found anyway, it does, you know, I eat, eat breakfast. It helps my energy. Um, plus also helps me. Sarah, you, you've got uh, your hand up. Let's see. Up. Yeah. Pro tip. I just wanted to throw in there along with uh, getting some protein in, in the morning. If you're not a faster, like myself, I fast most of my mornings just because I do my best work fasted. Um, but taking L-theanine um, with your coffee, protect your adrenal glands, please. It will slow the release of the caffeine and it will make sure that you don't crash. 
Um, and it, it just, it has a calming effect to the caffeine. So you'll still get the, uh, pick me up that you're looking for, but the L-theanine will make it. So your nerves don't, don't, uh, get the better of it. So you won't feel frazzled. <laughs> Sarah, we are connected when it comes to this stuff. We both love this biohacking stuff. I too, you, we've never talked about that before, but L-theanine, I'll take a capsule, break it open, put up and half a capsule in my coffee and I'll stir it up because it does exactly with, with what you said. Um, so L-theanine is a good, uh, a good, good supplement to add, um, kind of like to what, what Tom was saying, he went and found his, found the professor on the ground, thought he was dead, but he was just taking a nap. Uh, any, any time that you can close your, your eyes and have nothing going on, even for 20 minutes, you look at all the famous smart people that were power nappers, power nap, you know, anything less than 30 minutes. Uh, is it 25 to 30 minutes is supposed to be supposed to be again, there's all research on all sides, uh, the best type of power nap. Uh, I read a study a while back it's in the thirties, 30% after a nap, you increase your mental agility and something else. I forget what, it was. of course, by like 30% uh, after a particular nap. So there is, there are things to go off of there. Simply stretching, lay on the ground and just stretch out, stretch out as much as you can stretch, get it up, get your blood flowing again. Um, uh, do, do, do a couple twists, even if you want, but those things can really make a dramatic difference because when you're stretched, you're opening up. Um, if you can open up, some people have, uh, the, the teeter hangups types of deals that, that, uh, when you hang upside down, it increases the fluid and puts the fluid back in your back discs. It also helps with blood flow. Again, these are things, especially for, for many people that are working from home. I don't think you're going to take your teeter hang up into your work office, that would be a little strange. But if you do it at home, these are things that can take, again, I'm a big fan of what's five to 10 minutes, um, a simple walk, if you can, even if you're at your physical workspace, but these things, it's almost like when you take a vacation, when you take people say, I don't want to take a vacation because I'm too, I have too much work to do, but you take a vacation and when you come back, you're, let's say two times productive. So you make up all that work within the next two weeks, because you're more productive. And you also got to take your vacation and now you're refreshed. It's the same thing as you're on an airplane. If the plane's about to go down, the oxygen mask will drop. Be sure to put your oxygen mask before helping out children and the elderly. Because if you faint, because you're not helping out any of the children and the elderly. It's the same kind of thing with taking care of yourself uh, with vacation or with healthy habits. Well, let me ask you guys this then, because there was an, an, a research experiment done a number of years ago where someone trained themselves to work for four hours, sleep for 45 minutes, work for four hours, sleep for 45 minutes. And what they discovered was that they became incredibly productive. They could get a lot of work done. The, the issue was that there was nobody else around. You know, they were they were on such a unique schedule that they lost connection with family and friends. And after a while, even though it was an incredibly productive way to be, they just stopped because they had lost any sense of social connection. So is is that something we have to be aware of? I think so. And I think it's here's the thing people are waking up to this like daylight savings time stuff, Tom, like Jeremy, really? Like we're starting to understand that, you know, time is what we define it as. Right. And when it comes to working a nine to five, what if we could avoid the afternoon slump? Because 
let's say I wake up at 5 a.m. and most of my work is completed by 9.30 and I take, you know, a few hours to socialize with my family or my children or whatever. And then I pick up some work um, after I have a nap in the afternoon. And then I do a little bit an hour or two before bed. Why can't we work that way? Um, is my question. And why do we have to be available to our organization at all times of the day, but we're not available to the people that we have space for or that we even work to support, right? We work to support our families. We work in order to have better lives for each other and for the people that we care about. We don't necessarily work to fulfill any sort of interior motivation, um, we could do all of those things without work. So I think it's the whole work-life balance thing. That's kind of a lie that's being sold in my mind. I think what it really comes down to is work when it makes sense to work and don't work when it doesn't make sense to work. Does that make sense? It does. And and correct me if I'm wrong, but there's actually countries where that's more of the norm, where you may start work at eight o'clock in the morning, you work till noon, and then you might have like a a two hour break. And then you come back at like two o'clock and you work till, you know, six o'clock. Spain. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's just too hot to work (laughs) Mm -hmm. at that time. And, you know, if, if I was presented with that notion, I would probably jump on it because I'm a lot like you. I, I love to have a little break early in the afternoon and it does make me more productive. So, you, you know, you talk about the revolution that, that we're you know just on the precipice of where the way people work is changing. And what I love is we're starting as an employee to have a lot more say. So, so Jeremy, do we have to really consider maybe changing the way North America works? That's interesting. It also provides a teaser for, I love these teasers for our upcoming podcast episodes. Oh, if I could find it, I think it was Sweden. Um, yeah, we'll talk, we're going to talk about this. And Sweden abandons their six hour workday trial. Yes. So they made headlines in 2015 and apparently it didn't work out how they wanted to. And that's, yeah, anything you do on a mass scale, I don't know much about it. We're going to look more into it, but uh, so I can't speak to it that much, but anything you try to do something on a, on a mass scale, I think you know, for now it's more looking at, and we talked about how Google has nap rooms and massage parlors and all these kinds of, if you're a company, you don't, you know, you don't have to say, oh my gosh, I have, you know, all my employees need a nap right now, or we have to incorporate a nap room. I think it's, it's more on letting employees know that you're aware that people are, well, are different, different needs. People have different medical issues where, Hey, you know, it's where you have say the culture of our company is for man, be aware and to discuss with their employees. Maybe manager says, Hey, I, I, I get you. Um, you know, you say that you can be more productive if you're not scheduled meetings during this time. And if you want to do, if you want to, you know, it's your lunch break or whenever, if you're more than welcome, do what you want. If you want to take a nap, uh, if, if, if you can be more productive and be better for our team, I want to help you and enable you and empower you to as best based on you. I would say managers, please listen up. Stop parenting and start mentoring. Yes, stop Sarah. parenting. Into, and there's stop so many teasers. You are, you are, you are hitting <laughs> all 
<laughs> there's another one coming up about how, uh, what is it with millennials don't yell coach. And that's kind of what you're saying. Anyway, back over to you. We're going to cover that one. <laughs> oh, ahead, no, sorry. it's perfect. And you know, it's, what do you look for in a mentor? You look for someone to learn from, you look for someone to guide you. You look for someone who's already doing the things that you want to learn how to do and they do it well. Um, so managers, please make sure that you are still upskilling yourself and that you are providing that mentorship to others, um, that are working for you because that's the longevity within leadership. The longevity within leadership isn't tied to a title. It isn't tied to tenure. It isn't tied to any of those things, status, whatever it's tied to the amount of lives you influence and teach throughout your life. And, um, the, the, the versions of mini use that you can put out there into the workforce, right? So essentially that it kind of does resemble good parenting in a way, but you're not there to reprimand employees. They're full-grown adults. Um, you're not there to um, create insurmountable, insurmountable boundaries or challenges for them. You're there to provide them with resources and direct them um, into how to use and leverage those resources. So um please, please, please stop parenting your employees. And if you feel as if you have to, if you feel as if like, I just can't get away from it, my employees would just do whatever they want and then they wouldn't listen and nothing would ever get done. Um, perhaps it's time to have a sit down and, and kind of understand uh, roles again and, and start fresh as a group, because um, as, as a leader, it's, it could be exhausting to feel like you have to maintain um, that level of oversight. You know, Sarah, it, it, it is hard and, you know, change is hard. It's easy not to change. It's easy not to be a mentor. And if I'm a leader, you know, two years ago before the pandemic and the lockdowns, everybody was in the office from nine to five and I could control them easier. And I really just want to go back to making my life easy. <laughs> so, so how do we convince somebody that, no, with this revolution, you have to be a change agent? Tom, I don't think every single individual out there has to be in charge of people. So here's the thing. If someone wants their life to be easy, they shouldn't be in charge of people. If they want their life to be easier, they should be an individual contributor. Um, they should focus on their craft and they should hone their craft and deliver their craft and be recognized for it. Um, however, should you choose to be in leadership, then you should be prepared to lead and be a change agent. Um, and that's just my stance on it. Um, I'm sure there will be people who disagree with me, but um, I think at you know what we really need is good, strong leadership. Um, and when I say strong, I mean healthy leadership. Um, and I don't think it needs to be tied to things like tenure anymore. I think it needs to be tied to things like skill development and level of skill and proficiency. Um, I do think that um, the level of experience and years of experience conducting something are important. Um, but if we're talking about years of experience um, in a minute way versus years of experience in a highly intense and, and demanding way, those things are not equal. So um, yeah, leadership tied to tenure is not my favorite thing. Um, I think it should be based more around KSAs um, and level of proficiency. 
And that's where uh, we should be identifying our leadership as well as those individuals that have the soft skills required. And I hate calling them soft skills, but the people skills required um, to manage and to lead other people with empathy, with courage and kindness and, um, you know, a level of transparency. Um, I think all of those things are very valuable and I'm not saying, you know, get out of the way. If you know, you've been in your career for 20 plus years, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying either you make a choice to lead people and mentor people who are on the same career journey that you once were, or you stick to your craft and, and you, you churn out great products and, and you model the behavior for others to follow. So there's, there's multiple ways to lead. Um, and direct supervision is not the only way to lead. And, you know, sometimes revolutions do give us new models of leadership. And perhaps that's what we need right now. <laughs> Jeremy, I think our time is almost up there. So I'm going to throw it back to you. Thanks, man. Loving this conversation and all these tips. Two things to end with. Also, if you're feeling lack of energy at work, think of what what gives you a sense of fulfillment or what would finally give you a sense of fulfillment at the end of the day? Incorporate those into, into your work, into your work day. And also take a second to think, when, when do I feel my energy during Is it when I'm not talking to people and I'm doing excellent work? Do I feel extra energized after conversations with people? And what are those conversations like? So do things that you do things that you can to create and throughout the day. That is it. We'll see you next time. Closing in five, four, three, two, and one. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work Cookie, a Seabock podcast. Don't forget to sign up at seabock.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from experts. Would it be a bad idea to make your most challenging workplace problems go away? Don't forget to check out our corporate, career boost, recruiter, and even student memberships at seabock.com.